Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and on behalf of my co-host Chrissy Dunham and myself, let me just say thank you for joining us today. The Wonder Podcast is for you, whether you're a man, a woman, young, older, married, single. Our mission is to encourage you and get you focused back on the wonders of our great God. Psalm 136 says, to him who alone does great wonders. And to him alone do we dedicate this episode and every episode. So whether you're in the car or on your way to work, at home watching a little one, washing dishes or binge listening on a road trip, which we've heard many of you do, we say thank you. And we pray you enjoy this episode of the Wonder Podcast. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. It is 20. 21, Lisa. We have made it. We are here. We have set our goals for the year and we are doing it. How are you doing so far? Well, I feel like 2021 just got started today for me because we've been gone since New Year's Eve and we just got back a day ago. And so we are well into January and I still have a Christmas tree up. I still have leftovers from Christmas in my refrigerator. I mean, it's a hot mess over here, Chrissy, but it's all good because I've gotten to be with my family the last 10 days and it's been wonderful. And now I'm just getting back into the swing of things. So happy 2021, everyone. There you go. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I haven't traveled anywhere and maybe to prosper and back. And my tree just got taken down Saturday. So, and I cleaned out the refrigerator yesterday. So we're kind of on the same schedule. My travel's just not as fantastic as yours, but it's been a good time so far. And I'm very excited about our guest today because I first heard about her and her organization from a friend from church that posted all about her and how she had been to one of her events. And I said, I've got to know more. I contacted her and said, I've got to know more about this organization. And then my daughter donated to this organization and she told me a little bit about it. And now we actually get to interview her and hear all about it. So Lisa, I'll let you introduce her and tell us about a little bit about her organization or at least the name of it, and then she can tell us all about it. Okay, well, Chrissy, yeah, I'm very excited about this too. Today we have Alicia Bush with us, and she is the president, founder, CEO of Treasured Vessels Foundation. And you guys, oh man, Alicia is here in the Frisco area where Chrissy and I live, and she is just making a huge impact. Alicia, I feel like, well, welcome to the show, first of all. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. We're so glad to have you and to hear more about Treasured Vessels today and just your passion. Um, I was just, I'm, I'll have to fully, full disclosure here. I was creeping on your Instagram and saw that you were at the, uh, in Punta Mita recently. <laughs> and, and that is one of my favorite places in the world. I was like, okay, maybe Alicia and I need to be best friends in real life. Yes. Oh, I would love that. Punta Mita. You know, one of my favorite things about um, Punta Mita is that, you know, a lot of times you go to Mexico or, you know, you travel internationally and they'll say, you know, maybe you can't go into the the city. Maybe it's not safe or 
you know, tourists don't typically go there, but in Punta Mita, that's, it's so neat because you can go into the town and you can be among the people that live there and, and their traditions. And I don't know, it's just such a really, really neat place, but maybe we shouldn't tell anybody about it. It is a best kept secret. In fact, we took Chrissy there for her 40th birthday and we had a ball. And so Punta Mita is very dear to my heart. I love it. But Alicia, so you are a local Texas girl, Texas born and raised, just like I am. Now, Chrissy's from Oklahoma, but she got yes, to I am. as quickly as she could. So you <laughs> were born and raised in Texarkana. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Uh, my family still lives there, and you can hear a little bit of my accent as it comes out when I say certain words. I try to, you know, keep it in my pocket. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I was raised, born and raised in the same school that my parents went to, and um, my family still own uh, grocery stores in that area. So, um, I, but I got to the city as quick, quick as I could. As, as she got to Oklahoma as quick, quickly as, or as Texas as quickly as she could, I got to the city as fast as I could. So, <laughs> well, well, I just love that, and I love the fact that you have your roots here in the Texas area. I went to North Texas for your undergrad, and then you were kind of got your start out in doing medical device sales. Is that correct? It is. I, you know, I loved medicine. I loved being in the operating room. I, I really wanted to go to medical school. And my husband was like, Leisha, you're really an all in kind of person. If you went to medical school, you'll never get married and you'll never have children. And so I went into medical devices. I felt like it was really the best of both worlds. I got to be in the hospital, in the operating room with the surgeons and the anesthesiologists and with the patients. And then I went up on the floors and got to see my product actually work. You know, my widget that I was selling actually do what it was supposed to do. Um, so I really, I really love that space. I, I love healthcare. So how did you go from that career into treasured vessels? Give us the history of where this came from. A wild story, you know, so coming from, from East Texas and my parents are still married and kind of a varsity blues kind of growing up. And to my knowledge, I didn't know anyone that had been uh, sexually abused. Uh, I've never heard of human trafficking or, and so just a very, very um, naive uh, upbringing. Um, and then, you know, when I moved to, to Dallas and, and started going to school, I, I really found my passion for um, mental health. And, uh, and so kind of coming back full circle, I was in, you know, in the medical field and uh, really at the pinnacle of my career and thought, okay, if, this, if I'm going to, if I'm ever going to resign, this would be the time. And, and kind of at the same time, I'm having the same thoughts of, okay, if I resign, this would be this, we have a two year old, or we have two children and a six month old, and this would be the time I could pull the, the mommy card. Hey, I'm going to spend time with my family. And then if I ever wanted to go back. I would have uh, hopefully that opportunity, but I've, I'm having that thought really because in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what I'm supposed to be dedicating my life to? I'm a wife, I'm a mother. I was really good at what I did. I was always top 10% of medical sales. And, and, and I don't know that I, I was, I'd ever really had a crazy skill set. You know, I never did one of those spin selling classes or Zig Ziglar's and, you know, courses and selling, you know, half the, half the time it was just showing up doing what you say you're going to do. And, and people like that. And so when I was kind of in that transition of 
is this really what I'm called to do? I knew I needed to, if I was going to be all in, I needed to resign from, from that career and really focus and, and hear from the Lord. Cause there was so much going on, as you can imagine in, in my, in my mind and in my family and in my life that uh, I had to kind of clear out the clutter, if you will. And January 1st, 2015, I no longer was an, a medical device rep and I started all over and just said, Lord, what, what is it? What is it that you're calling me to? Um, my husband and I are international missionaries. And so he had done much, uh, many missions overseas in Africa specifically and um, in Thailand. But, you know, this is where we live. This is where we're raising our family. And God had not called us to Africa yet. He hasn't yet, but he may. And I just said, Lord, I, I'm just going to fast and I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to um, begin seeking whatever it is that I was created to do. And I don't know about you, but I know growing up, most of my family, you know, they say, you know, what do you, what do we say to our kids? What do you want to be when you grow up? I, I really felt convicted at that time. It's really not what do I want to be when I grow up? It's God, what did you create me to do? Um, mm-hmm. Why am I here? And I really postured myself for about 11 months with a yes in my heart. Lord, whatever it is you're calling me to do. And on a Friday night, I said to my husband, I could do this. You know, I could, I could ho- have home church in my house and, and be kind of acts two before, you know, the outside the four walls of the church. And I could, you know, just have lots of different ideas, but nothing specifically to trafficking. I um, didn't know anything about trafficking other than my husband had been to a men's breakfast a couple of years prior to that. And I'd heard about human trafficking and he brought home the brochure and, and it was shocking, of course you know, what are you going to do? You're busy in a career, raising a family. Um, What are you going to do with such a humongous issue? So that Friday night when I positioned myself and just said, Hey honey, I can, I can do all these things. And what about this? And he said, look, he looked at me and he said, that's not what it is. That's not it. And he took his hands and his fingers in his hands and he held them up and he rubbed them together. And he said, what are you going to do with your hands? And I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, he goes, what are you going to do with your hands? Are you going to dig a well or, or build a school? You know, he's a custom home builder. So his mindset is tangible. You know, things that he does, he, he sees it's not a concept, but it's an actual tangible thing that you can touch, see, feel. And so that was really what vein he was coming out of. And, and so I said, Lord, I don't know. What am I going to do with my hands? And uh, the next day, now, mind you, I had postured myself with the yes, whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, you know, and kind of, kind of risky, right? When you say whatever, <laughs> and you kind of squint and you're like, oh gosh, what is it going to be? The next day I sat straight up out of bed and the Lord said to me, you will build an aftercare facility for girls rescued from sex trafficking. And I looked at my husband and I said, we will build an aftercare facility for girls rescued from sex trafficking. And he just looked at me and he had this very clear knowing that's, that's what it is. So I said, okay, well, is that even a need? I, I don't, do we have that issue here in Texas? I mean, what, When someone has recovered from a trafficking situation, where do they go? So I just picked up the phone, called a couple of nonprofits, called law enforcement and said, you know, when, when a, when a little girl is rescued, you know, like Elizabeth Smart, you know, when she's taken from her house and she's abducted and she goes back home to this wonderful loving family. Right. And they all looked at me and you know, the responses began to be the same. Well, not always Alicia, actually very rarely, you know, and I, that was began the journey of, of learning and understanding that the need was so, so great. And there truly was not an option that really specifically fit when a young girl, minor or, or an adult even at that matter, that was recovered from a trafficking situation, their options are limited or, or they're just not any options at all. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so Alicia, 
there's so much we could talk about and we only have a, a short amount of time. I mean, we could talk about you praying about this for 11 months. I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself of just waiting on the Lord with your hands open and your heart open saying yes to whatever he calls you to. That's a lot. The second thing that just really resonated with me as you told this unfolding was you've got young children. This was six years ago. You've got young children. Typically, when someone says, what am I going to do now? They're at a different stage of life. And you had young children. And as your husband said, what are you going to do with your hands? You were ready to get your hands dirty, even though you were raising this family and in the throes of all that. So it's just an incredible story of how you got there. The third thing that I just, and this is kind of what I want to talk about right now is how do we not know that this is going on really? And I know we're hearing more about sex trafficking and girls coming out and boys coming out of this, but we're here in Frisco, Texas. And I think your residential, your homes are in the Frisco area. Is that correct? We don't share, but they are in Collin County. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, so this is a thing here. This is an issue, obviously. Tell us about that and what we're dealing with in our area and then how you got to where you are today. You know, It's such a fascinating topic when we talk about human trafficking, you're right, and how we don't know about it, how we don't talk about it. And, and, you know, I kind of liken it to uh, homelessness, right? So Lisa, Chrissy, you're you're not homeless. We can talk about them, and I'm not homeless. We can talk about them, you know, the homeless people, that population. Um, I know someone that's homeless, or we go and serve them, but then there's them and us orphans over in Africa, them and us. But when we talk about trafficking, it gets real personal real quick because now we're talking about a a spouse, a loved one that has an addiction to porn. We know that that is human trafficking, feeds right into human trafficking, fuels human trafficking. Now we can talk about our own sexual abuse. We know that one in three young Americans before the age of 18 will report being sexually abused before the age of 18, an American, one in three. Some stats will even say, let's say it's as high as one in five. So now we've gotten real personal, real quick. And so the traffickers do a really fascinating job of keeping us all in the dark. It's a, it looks like Pretty Woman. We've all seen the movie. Um, it can be glamorous. It, and we really don't want to talk about the underbelly of society that's right here among us that we're talking about moms and dads that have a debt, say that's in, they can't pay their rent. Mom remembers her mom exploiting her to the landlord for something she was already doing. Say she's, you know, 15 years old and uh, she was already sexually assaulted and if, or she was already sexually active and say, say the landlord saying, Hey, you'll be debt free for the next two months. If I can just have some time with your daughter. And the daughter feels compelled because mom's lost her job because of COVID. Dad may be um, displaced or uninvolved in the family. And so now, now daughter has sold herself. Mom has sold her daughter. Then we just, it goes on and on and on. And I think that are, those are the horrible things that we think of. How could a mother do that? How could a family do that? But we don't really know what it feels like to be homeless or what it feels like to not eat for days. And so you've got those kinds of cases. And then you've just got traffickers out there that are just dangling hope 
in front of these girls and boys that have are living a life of abuse, maybe a life of addiction, maybe just they just want a better life than their mom and dad ever had. And so this trafficker figures out how to manipulate, how to brainwash, how to become a friend, how to become a, a trusted confidant. Maybe he postures himself as a father that the child, the young person never had as a, either as a father figure or as a caregiver or as a boyfriend, whatever it is, they prospect just like a normal business person, right? But this is the, the most, the, one of the most growing criminal activities in the world right here. So how do you go about finding these girls and women and boys? Well, several, many, many different avenues. So for example, we just got an email today from someone who said, I have a relative that is homeless and is needing some resources. And I believe it's being trafficked and a victim advocate gave us your contact info. Law enforcement calls and says, Hey, we did a sting. We have a girl that we believe is ready to first, um, some resources. She's pregnant and she's ready to get out of the life. The life is, or the game is what uh, the traffickers call it. Um, the life or the, or the game. So you kind of hear me using those things, using those terms um, interchangeably. So, cause some that are in the life, they're not ready to, um, to get out. And I know that that's hard for so many to understand, but again, I try to liken it to something we are a little bit more familiar with, but maybe like domestic violence or Stockholm syndrome where it'll be better tomorrow. You know, if I could just, if I could just get through today, if I could just, because going through a recovery program, coming out and getting resources uh, can be very, very difficult, but also very, very dangerous, especially if they have children and the trafficker has the child, has access to the children. Um, a lot of times uh, birth certificates and IDs and, and things are taken, taken away. They're threatened. Their life is threatened. Their siblings are threatened. So we'll get phone calls from law enforcement, Homeland Security, FBI. There are organizations that are specifically created to be advocates. So they're the first point of contact. And then they'll assess their needs based on the services that we provide. And then we'll get the phone call of, hey, we have someone. Do you have any beds available? Here's, the, here's what her needs um, are at this time. So it, it can be even a self-referral. Somebody will go on our app, on our website or on our app. We call them residential interns because they're students and they can fill out our internship uh, application and uh, we'll call and do a mental health assessment just to understand where they are with substance abuse, um, what kind of resources that they need, especially with mental health. And uh, if we have a bed available, we'll begin the intake process. Alicia, so your organization, Treasured Vessels, has built these residential homes treatment type homes, depending on the need of the, of the child, the student, the intern, and they come in, typically how long are they there with you? So we have set our program. We it's, it's changed. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot in the last 12 months. So we're serving 18 year olds up to 24 year olds right now. Um, we do have a 17 year old and then we've also served all the way up to 18 or 28 years old and with an infant. So uh, our services have expanded. We, we say 18 to 24 months, mainly just because people usually need to ask. Grants want to ask. You know, it's not a 10-year program or they don't, can't stay with us forever. But when they come into the program, we ask for them to commit to 18 to 24 months of just safety and stability throughout the program. They'll be able to progress to getting a job 
But in the first portion of our program, safety and stability is we're really, really focused on mental health and rebuilding kind of the framework, if you will, that scaffolding that you, most of us, um, a lot of us grew up in a really healthy, loving home. We understand attachment. We understand healthy boundaries to some degree. A lot of these individuals, they don't, either they didn't grow up that way or during the time of the abuse and the trauma that they've just lost all safety, coping parameters, all, all the things that, that you're like, why would you make that choice? They just don't really don't even have the capacity to even make a healthy, safe choice anymore. So we, we start from the very beginning, helping them sleep through the night, um, regularly take showers, eating regular meals, new coping skills to replace their maybe coping skills that were not healthy, um, getting a driver's license, getting an ID, getting a GED or finishing college, um, whatever it is that they need. So they're getting the mental health support right alongside parallel with all the programmatic things, all the practical things that we need to succeed, financial literacy courses, leadership classes. And so with that, it's been um, such an interesting journey as we've seen our girls now progressing to, they've been with us, say, 12 months, and now they're saying, well, can I get a job? And so now they're going to start working outside the home, but while still receiving the mental health support through with the psychiatrist and um, the licensed professional counselor and all the mental health pieces, those will continue while they go out into the community, getting a job, going to college full time, one or the other or split in between. So they're, so when they do have a hard day, they still have that mental health support and they still have those, that community and those resources that they need while they're in our program, rather than saying, okay, go out. I hope it works out for you but they're able to continue in care with us. Alicia, I am sitting here just like, wow. There are a lot, a lot of facets in this ministry. So when you prayed for 11 months with your hands wide open, asking the Lord, what can I do with my hands? He gave you a big assignment. And it sounds like you're doing an amazing job, but I'm sure you need help. I'm sure you need resources. So if I'm a listener and I want to get involved or I want to help you in some way, give us all the different ways that someone can help or get involved or the best thing that we can do to help treasured vessels. So we do have volunteer opportunities. I mean, that is a great question. We have volunteer opportunities to come in and mentor the young ladies. Now, granted, those are that's very few and far between. Most of our our needs are going to be the funding with COVID. I'm a full-time volunteer um, and will remain so, but we have 15 on staff. That is in the house, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, we have three that are exterior. So that's going out, raising the funds, bringing awareness, but then everybody else, those are people that are in the, in the, in the house, licensed professional counselors, nurses, so it's, it's a very, very, um, the girls are not ever left alone. It's a very intense part of, of the program, but so it, it costs money and grants are, the grants look different. We have lots of uh, individuals now throwing third party events, which, you know, have a gathering of people at your house and uh, have some champagne and some appetizers, do a live zoom, 
lots of different ways to just bring awareness, learn about how to keep your kids safe, learn about how to recognize someone if they're being trafficked, teaching our kids how to see danger, not only for themselves, but others. So there's those kinds of opportunities as far as awareness and education, um, become a monthly donor. I think to your point at the very beginning was we're still just finding out what it looks like, how, how does this happen how do we stop it? Uh, vote. You know, know what your legislators are, are bringing to, bring to the table and how they feel about um, legalizing prostitution and decriminalizing prostitution. And those those are kind of those are some terms that are being thrown out right now. What what's going on in our education system? I don't know if you know what's going on in Denmark right now, but there is a cartoon character um, is now is a superhero and um, a superhero with a very large penis that can be used as a pogo stick and a way to um, help children and um, drowning in the river and, and lots of, so that's what's coming to our country and that's what's coming to our schools. And so those are types of things that just get involved in that way. Know what your kids are doing, who they're talking to on their games, on their devices. Well, that's sh- shocking and um, horrifying. And I think that's a great point that you make though, is just making ourselves aware. And sometimes we just want to put blinders on, don't we? Because these things are really hard to fathom and understand. And sometimes we just want to keep ourselves in la-la land, but we can't because these things are happening to our neighbors and our loved ones. And I'd love to end today, Alicia, with just a success story. Can you share without naming any names about someone that's come through your program and that you guys have had the blessing and the privilege to minister to and help and how are they doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right January is um, Human Trafficking Awareness Month and last year, Trump had he had tweeted something about Human Trafficking Awareness Month and the definition. Well, this young lady was on Twitter and saw the definition and looked at her what she thought was her uh, boyfriend, which at the, that time was her baby daddy, and said, "You know what? Uh, this fits my definition. I feel like you're treating me this way. This is what's happening to me." Um, she soon was arrested, and they called us and said, "You know, I know you don't take mother baby, but um, we have a young lady who's pregnant who needs your help." And we called in reinforcements for, for the pregnancy piece. We began to serve her. She is now in college. I actually babysit the baby yesterday. And we see her often. She continues to be in, our, in and around our program, receiving um, mental health resources and community resources as she's on her journey to be uh, in the, she wants to fight on the justice side of things. And her daughter is healthy and is growing. And she is just so grateful. She said, Alicia, You've not only changed my life, but for generations to come. So that that right there really hit deep. But thinking about those 11 months of praying, but her talking about generations to come will be changed just because there was a yes in my heart to hear what God had for me. Wow. Well, I know my eyes have been opened and my heart has been opened. Tell us what we do from here what your website is. You talked about an app. I know you do different fundraising and with COVID, it may look a little different, but tell us how someone can give either financially or time or how they can just get more information about Treasured Vessels. Yes, ma'am. So treasuredvesselsfoundation.org is our website. We have all platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, not very often, 
but Instagram and, and Facebook, there's a lot of, you'll see events on there. We're pretty active. Um, you can also join our mailing list. We send out about one email a week, uh, usually one with a, uh, with some success stories and some, some challenges. So you can really get to understand what the, what the individuals are struggling with and, and what their wins are, what they've been doing this week, what it looks like in a typical day of TBF. So hello at treasuredvessels.org can also get you in contact with us as well. But um, our staff is pretty, pretty great about getting back to you. I mean, there's even things that we need that come up like we'll need a, um, for that individual, we needed a crib or we needed some clothing. We'll need things from time to time. And so a lot of times we'll post that on social media and through our MailChimp. Um, we're still a really small grassroots organization. So getting in touch with us is pretty easy. Awesome. I am just thrilled that the Lord is using you this way and that you have made our listeners and Lisa and I aware of what's going on in our own backyard. And I hope that our listeners will get involved. What are you thinking, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that there's so many ways to get involved. And the first and foremost would just be to pray for Alicia, pray for her family. And, and I, I was on the website earlier and saw that you have a, a big staff of people that are helping these men and women who are who they're are are part of their program and um I just think prayer is just so important in something like this to just rely on the Lord and not in our own strength but also just for funding and um opportunities to serve and that women will I mean just a tweet you know brought this woman out of trafficking so we can all be a part of this in some form or fashion. And I think it's just an incredible, incredible ministry and blessing to our community. So I'm just so thankful, Alicia, that you came on and gave us a little bit of the history and some of the experiences that you've had with Treasured Vessels. I appreciate your honesty. And um, and it is National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And so we can all do something this month, whether it's just learn more about this and, and keep our eyes open. But I also know that Super Bowl time is a is a big time for something like this. And so, and that's this month, I believe. So anyway, we appreciate it, Alicia. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you all so much. It's such an honor to be able to share. It's, it's, it's a challenging topic for sure. But the more we know that the better we can serve our community and, and, and keep our family and those that need us safe. That's right. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right, thanks so much.